Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Coming up on Stu Does America, the Canadian government is taking some big steps against its mandate protesters. We'll bring in Brian Lilly with some breaking news on that. We'll talk about which states think Joe Biden sucks the worst. I'm doing my best to represent Texas on this one. Make sure you redeem your 10 bucks off your Blaze TV subscription by going to blazetv.com slash stew. Enter the promo code stew because that's how they know you like this stupid show and the 10 bucks is yours. And I'm fresh back from my trip to the Super Bowl. So let's do Los Angeles. Stew does America. Here I am back where I belong in a suit behind a desk wearing makeup. Yes, welcome back to the program. Took a few days uh, over the past uh, weekend to go to Los Angeles. Quite an experience, a pretty good Super Bowl, I thought. Uh, not exactly the, the most well-played game I've ever seen in my life, but a compelling game, a close game. Uh, let me give you a quick view of, uh, of this. And I, I want to warn you, if you're a Bengals fan, you need to take the next 30 seconds off. This is the play where that basically ended the Super Bowl with Aaron Donald. Here we go from my seats. Uh, you can barely see anything because it's a million miles away. But there it is. And the big get sack throws it away. And almost, he almost got that to the receiver somehow, Joe Burrow. A pretty compelling game close to the end. That's all you can hope for. I remember when I was a kid, every Super Bowl was like 51 to 7, it felt like. Now they're all really close, good games. And uh, it was an incredibly highly rated game as well. Something like 112 million people uh, watched the game, which is the highest since, I think, 2017. And it's one of those uh, situations that whatever damage the NFL has done to itself uh, over the past few years seems to have rebounded a little bit. And people watched the game in, in big, big numbers. And it was, it was a good game. It was a lot of fun. One of the questions people always ask me when I go to the Super Bowl is, oh, my gosh. The halftime show was amazing. How, I mean, how was it to be there live for that halftime show? And it was an amazing halftime show. If you happen to be into West Coast rap from the 90s, which I'm not. Uh, but if you happen to be, you probably love that show. In fact, everyone seemed to love it. I got a lot of really good positive reviews. But I want to give you a little sense of this just so you understand what it's like if you've never been to the Super Bowl. This is the Super Bowl halftime show. Now, here's what you see. There is the TV. You've got Dre out there. You got, I think, Snoop Dogg. I can't take, tell all the people there. Uh, but, you know, you've got this colorful set. You've got all this stuff going on. You see the people singing the songs. This is actually an excerpt, though, of my view. Now, if you zoom back, you see what I saw, which was that big screen having what you saw on TV, and then me seeing the back of the set that's slightly lit up blue. You can't see any of the artists. You can't see anything because I was on the opposite side of the stadium from Roger Goodell, and they ain't facing the halftime show away from Roger Goodell. So I saw basically nothing. Basically nothing of the halftime show, but I heard it was pretty good. I also saw none of the commercials. These two things are the things you sacrifice. I mean, you know, a lot of times I talk about my own personal sacrifice, and it's only because it's so profound. And here I am, once again, sacrificing for you, 
to be on site for the Super Bowl this year once again. You're welcome, I guess is, is all I can really say. I will say uh, there's a lot going on at the Super Bowl. It wasn't just football. I do remember at one point looking down towards the field before the game started, and everyone was looking back up at me, and I was like, hey, people know. Stu does America. Thank you. Thank you very much. And then I turned around and looked behind me, and this is what I saw uh, LeBron James dancing like an idiot. Uh, he was like four or five rows behind me in his little box with Kevin Hart was in there, a bunch of other celebrities, and he was dancing like a moron to all the songs. Exactly how you would picture LeBron James, right? Wanting all the attention on himself, standing up so everyone can see him. Everyone's turning around, watching him, agonizing. But you may have noticed, not wearing a mask. You know, I thought that was pretty interesting. Not a lot of mask usage uh, going on there at the Super Bowl. And, you know, I really was hoping I had my don't be an idiot, don't be a LeBron uh, T-shirt on. Unfortunately, I did not have that on. That would have been incredible. Uh, the, the man probably would have put me in the hospital, but so worth it. Think of how many followers we'd have on Twitter. So uh, I have the Colin Kaepernick mug out here. I should have brought my don't uh, be an idiot, don't be a LeBron mug. That would have been much better. Uh, but no masks out there. And you may have noticed this watching the game. I think everybody on the conservative side, probably everybody talked about this yesterday. Let me give you a quick montage uh, that this was put together by the American Principles uh, Project. And they show the rules for you and the rules for them. All the celebrities, Justin Bieber, uh, Olivia, Olivia Rodrigo, Cardi B, while the kids are all being masked. Uh, the celebrities like LeBron James, uh, totally fine to be no mask. He's singing Kanye West, he was there. Uh, Bobby Shmurmasuda, uh, Char Charlize Theron, Marky Mark Wahlberg, I don't think he's still called Marky Mark, uh, Chris Tucker, J-Lo, Ben Affleck, uh, what else do we have here, Demi Lovato, uh, Migos, which I think is an egg dish with tortillas, uh, uh, Sean Penn, Matt Damon was there, uh, he had, uh, I guess he's using his crypto money for something, uh, The Weeknd, and it was the weekend. Andy Garcia looked like he was passed out. Busta Rhymes was there, way up there. Busta, come on. The royalty is not kicking in anymore. What are you doing way up there? Point, I guess, uh, here is that none of these guys were wearing masks. And I think a lot of conservatives noticed this and was kind of frustrating because you may have been sending your kid to school in a mask while watching Busta Rhymes in California uh, maskless at the Super Bowl. Now, it's interesting to... to to look at this whole extravaganza um, because they, they were supposed to be masks. In fact, there was an N95 mask at every seat. I did not see anyone wearing them, but they were presented to you. They were put in, in front of your seat uh, at every single seat. You had an N95 mask and people could have worn them. They chose not to. Now the stadium, you might not get this. I didn't actually know this before we got there, but it's a, it's a dome, it's a, it's a, it has a roof on the stadium. However, it is not a domed stadium. It is an open air stadium on the side. So, uh, you know, it's, I mean, you'd call it more outdoors than indoors. Um, you know, it's California. Why the hell would you make an indoor stadium in California? It makes, it makes no sense. The one thing they got going for them is the weather, right? So it was kind of technically, I guess, an outdoor game, but you know, there's a roof on the stadium and it, it appears to be indoors. And of course, there's a mask mandate all over the place in California. Anytime you go indoors, you're supposed to have it. Um, and th there's all sorts of restrictions that were supposed to happen at the game. 
I will tell you, being at the Super Bowl in 2021 in Tampa, in Florida, uh, just a year earlier, they were enforcing the mask mandate. You had to have it on. When you took it down for too many drinks in a row, they noticed and they called you out on it. I mean, it was a massive, massive change. One of the things I don't think you you take from being, uh, you know, watching it on TV as opposed to being there and more than that, just being in the city while it was going on is you might look at this and see, OK, all these celebrities are saying X, Y and Z mask up all this stuff. And then you look at them and, and when they're at the game and they're not doing it. And yes, that basic hypocrisy, of course, exists. It's a real thing. It's got to be called out. And more than that, it's fun to call it out. So we're going to do it really if it's the right thing to do or not. But what I think you don't get by not being in the city is that it wasn't that much different than anywhere else I went the whole weekend. Now, I had this vision of California as this lockdown North Korean detention center. And I will say it really wasn't like that. It's bizarre. I thought it was going to be a lot worse. I thought the mask Nazis were going to be on every corner. I thought I was going to be able to go eat at any restaurant without, uh, you know, a a triple vaccine check and a double mask. Really didn't run into that in, in almost all places that I was going to. Now, I don't know. Maybe that's happening at other places. We do know in schools it's happening, which is a massive problem. I want to get into that here in a second. But it was a different city than I expected it to be. It was it wasn't Texas, but it was open. You know, you could go into pretty much any restaurant without really any restrictions. Um, Now, they do have a vaccine mandate uh, for indoor events, I believe, uh, or a mask mandate. I don't know exactly what the law is. Uh, There was a couple places they did check, uh, you know, uh, your your vaccine card. The funny part is the, the one they were the they were the, the hard ass, uh, you know, uh, people at the gate of the Shaquille O'Neal event were the people who were probably most stringent about the vaccine cards. This is immediately on the heels of Shaquille O'Neal saying he was against vaccine mandates. But at actual Shaquille O'Neal's event, they were checking uh, vaccine cards, which was a bit strange. But this is the way of the world, I suppose, at this point. Um, I know if you've been through the last couple of years, you know the sort of effects these policies have had on on regular people. Maybe you. Maybe you've lost your job. Maybe your company had to close. Maybe the small business you own is no longer a small business that you own because of policies like this. So, and if you watch this show, I don't need to explain this to you, but I am not trying to demean all of the terrible things that have resulted from these policies, and some of them still do exist. But... I kind of want to look at it a different way here. When I was walking around Los Angeles, I wasn't walking around a bunch of conservatives. I wasn't walking around, you know, a red hat rally. This was not this is Los Angeles. This is an area that probably voted, what, 80 percent for Joe Biden. I mean, I'm just guessing, but I I mean, it probably 80 percent. I was in West Hollywood. Uh, I was in Hollywood. I was in, you know. Uh, Santa Monica. I mean, these are areas that are not conservative strongholds. And what you found there is that while there was a higher mask usage, I would say, than in Texas, certainly, it wasn't all that different. It really wasn't. It, It felt like, you know, outside almost no one was wearing masks, which, of course, no one should be wearing masks outside. There's no science to back that up. Uh, This the restaurants. I mean, look. Let me 
you know, I'm going to give this to you real here. You know what? Something like 80 percent of people, uh, adults, are vaccinated in this country. They're going to, you know, and in California, the number is probably higher than that. I don't know what the number is off the top of my head in California, but, you know, it's it's obviously pretty high there. Most of the people are walking in and out of restaurants and no one's checking. If you happen to be someone who was uh, unvaccinated and decided you wanted to go into restaurants, the level of effort you would need to put in to do this is very low. It's not nothing. I think there would be places that would occasionally reject you and say, oh, I'm sorry, you don't have a vaccine card. Or I'm going to look very closely at the fake vaccine card you have uh, on your a, a tiny picture of it on your phone, which is the only way they could they check it. Um, look, should you have to do that? No. If you wanted to go to restaurants, could you do that? You certainly could. You know, there are speed limits around town. Do you follow them? Probably not. That's what it felt like there. Like, yes, some of these rules, some of these policies are in effect, but in reality, are they in practice? There is a growing disparity uh, in this country between policy and practice when it comes to these things. Um, this wasn't the case a year ago or two years ago. You know, I, I mentioned the, the Tampa Super Bowl for a reason. It, it, was in ta- it was in Florida, you know, the Ron DeSantis state. I, that's, uh, it was... It was much closer to lockdown a year ago in Tampa than it was uh, a year later in Los Angeles. That's a lot of progress. And I was thinking about that. Part of me wants to make sure, and this is important, that we go back and we look at the people who put those policies in. We say they were wrong. We get them removed from office. We criticize them. We don't believe them next time. All of those things are super important. But the other side of this is you're winning. Think about that for a second. You're winning. The things you wanted this whole time are happening. They're happening now. And not just from you, not just from people who support Trump, not just from people who are conservatives, not just from people who are Republicans, but moderates, independents, liberals, Democrats. They're abandoning this stuff, too. We are now getting past it. And it's not just past it because, oh, well, that state decided to loosen their rules. They're not doing it because they want to do it. They're doing it because the people are demanding it happen. They're doing it because you stood up and started living your life. We said this for a long time, that this stuff is only going to go away when people say, you know what? Eh, I'm not doing it anymore. I'm going to live my life. And the people will choose. The people will lead the government, not the other way around. And that has been the situation from the very start. Go back. I mean, we went through all this data back in 2020. You see over and over again in that February, March period, when especially like early March, when things started happening, South by Southwest closed down. Uh, we got the positive test of, you know, the NBA player. The NBA season gets canceled. Tom Hanks gets it before the government called for a lockdown. People went home. They didn't want to be out. They didn't want to deal with this over time. They kind of saw they started to understand what the virus was, how to deal with it, what you can do. And they started coming out before the lockdowns were uh, were revealed or or, or reduced. And it was like one of these things where we kind of went into lockdown before they asked for it. And we came out before uh, before they let us. We've never listened to them, really. I mean, when when you think about it. Now, there have been some areas where they've really cracked down, and that's been a dark part of this. And uh, particularly as it's affected people's jobs, their livelihoods, their businesses. All that stuff is real, and it's really important, and it's the real legacy of this. But we should also understand that there has been a change. 
This is not March 2020 anymore. Lockdowns are not really a thing right now. I mean, look, I was there. Los Angeles is not in lockdown. That is not the situation right now. That's good. We, we all know Gavin Newsom sucks. We all know his policies are terrible. He's, he's, they're now going to extend the mask mandate for uh, kids in schools uh, till at least the end of the month. They're going to, looks like they're going to lift it for vaccinated people indoors now. Uh, whatever that means. Uh, I guess that's as of uh, tom- uh, tomorrow, February 16th. Uh, but it will remain in effect for school children. And that's, I think, the biggest problem here is we still have kids who are going to be masked up going to schools in the most populous state in the union when everyone, including all these politicians, know they're not at risk and that people aren't doing they're not masking up anyway. Be one thing, I suppose, if everyone was at home and everyone was locked down and adults were super vulnerable and kids were passing it around like crazy and masks worked. If all those things were true, then maybe you could make an argument uh, to try to, to do some of these things, though from a principle standpoint, I still wouldn't like it. But at least you could make a pragmatic argument that some of these things made sense. They just don't make sense anymore. And I know it and you know it and we've known it for a long time. But now they know it, too. And you know what else they know is that the politics have turned against them on this stuff. And that's vitally important. That's us leading them. We've told them, not just us, but moderates and independents and and some on the left even have said, hey, screw off. Not doing this anymore. I'm going to be I'm a, you know, a 25 year old guy walking around, um, you know, uh, Los Angeles, not a Trump voter. But that guy is walking around without a mask and he's going into the restaurant and he's sitting down. He's taking the mask off. And these people who have been berating you to do all these things no longer are doing them themselves. Part one of that is the hypocrisy. And it it must crucially be noticed so we don't go down this road again. It's really important that we point it out and we call it out. But it's also important to understand that the things that we've wanted for a long time are starting to happen all over the country and not just in our states. Like the red states. I'm talking about blue states. I'm talking about Maryland. I'm talking about, uh, you know, uh, Connecticut and and Illinois and California, even Uh, New York, New Jersey. These states are all lifting these mandates and they're not doing it because uh, they've you know, they're never going to admit that they were wrong. They're going to stay in that position the entire time. But they are moving. This is opening up. And it's important for us to get past this and get everyone to a place where we're living with whatever COVID winds up being. Uh, and, and, and there will be effects for a long time, I'm sure, from it. But we're going to live with that stuff. We're going to learn to live with it like we have in a lot of these red states as a country. And then we can make sure that we hold these guys accountable for everything that's gone on. That's really important. And where you have an election that's not too far away uh, as a good step to do some of that stuff. But I don't know. I thought that was kind of an encouraging thing. You know, I think you can look at this and you say, oh, gosh, look at these celebrities all over again. Uh, Look at the hypocrisy. And number one, we've made the point a million times. And number two, we're going to continue to make it because it's funny and we enjoy it. We like mocking celebrities here. It's kind of what we do. But on the other side, be encouraged for once. Be encouraged that what you've wanted to happen is happening. You're winning here. This is a win. Your policies, the things that you want to happen are now being adopted by everyone. So take at least a second today before you mock some more celebrities and celebrate that.
So are you tired of rising taxes, increasing inflation, a stock market bubble that could be on the way? If you don't want to spend your retirement watching your wealth waste away and your freedoms erode, then check out maybe a vacation home, maybe a move to Panama. Why? Well, Panama is, is a country where every dollar in your savings account is worth like 10 times as much as it is here. Now, you might know it's cheaper to live there, but did you know that taxes are 0%? Uh, they haven't had a financial crisis in over 20 years, even in 2008. I mean, everyone got hit with the pandemic, but uh, they did pretty well actually coming through that. Um, you can live on the beach in total comfort and security on like $24,000 a year. It's pretty amazing. And it's, of course, very, very beautiful there. So why not check it out? Check out the American's Guide to Living and Retiring in Panama from our friends over at Buy Panama Now. Uh, it's 100% free. Uh, you can check out this information. Head over to buypanamanow.com slash stew. You can get a copy of all this information today. Check it out. Make sure you understand it. Do your own homework. It's buypanamanow.com slash stew. Buypanamanow.com slash stew. So judging by the mainstream media coverage here in America, one thing I know for sure about the Canadian trucker protests is I have absolutely no idea what is true and what is not. Uh, so I figured let's ask someone in Canada who actually does know. I'm happy to welcome Brian Lilly to the program. He's a columnist for the Toronto Sun. Brian, how's it going? What a bizarre set of uh, weeks here we've got going on. We've been in the American news cycle now in Canada for two weeks. That doesn't happen, Stu. No, I, I know it is. <laughs> You've been in the news cycle, but we don't have any actual information as, as to what's going on. The yeah. coverage has been all over the place, Brian. I want to start with you, if you don't mind, with like the most basic questions possible about what is going on in Canada right now. Sure. Um, one of the things we are hearing now is the media here is saying, in fact, these aren't even truckers. These aren't even truckers at all. It's not even a Canadian trucker protest. There's a few trucks. It's not even a trucker protest. Is that accurate? Yes and no. So it started as a trucker protest, but it has grown just like it started against the vaccine mandates uh, for uh, all cross-border long-haul truck drivers to be fully vaccinated. It started out over that, but it's grown into much more. So yeah, there are truckers that are involved, but there's also just a lot of people who are fed up with COVID who are saying, okay, well, I'm going to attach myself to this. Mm -hmm. and, and that's kind of what's happened. It's grown both in who's involved and why they started it. Okay. Uh, we got reports here that uh, the, these truckers were going around to neighborhoods at all hours of the night, laying on their horns in the middle of the nights to keep people awake. Is that true? In some neighborhoods of Ottawa. So, you know, Ottawa is the capital city. It's got all the beautiful parliament buildings, and that's what you're going to see in any promotional video or sure. news coverage. And, you know, in most of the news coverage, that's what you see. But it's not dissimilar to Washington, D.C. I remember, despite having lived in Ottawa for years, my first time being in Washington, D.C., and you're walking along the mall, and you got all the beautiful buildings and the big things, and you turn a corner, and <laughs> you're in a neighborhood. Like, yeah. there's somebody's house. Mm -hmm. It's the same sort of thing. So while most of the protest was focused around Parliament Hill, there were so many people, so many vehicles, big rigs, pickup trucks, regular cars, that they were into neighborhoods as well. And yeah, some of them were laying on their air horns all day and night, keeping people awake. Of course, we've still got a lot of people working from home. So even if it's during the day, how do you work with an air horn outside your window? Sure. Uh, 
I'm, I'm in downtown Toronto with construction going on outside my window, and, and that's distra- distracting enough. Okay, so it was, it was happening. Is it still going on? So a couple things happened. There were negotiations with some of the organizers to say, why don't you stop this? And they realized it wasn't helping their cause. So there was a bit of a pullback and then some people weren't following that. There was an attempt by a private citizen to get a court injunction because the city and their police force utterly failed in this. Mm. So did the, the Trudeau government. But a private citizen went to court, got a court injunction that said, you know, between 8 p.m. and 8 a.m., you can't be laying on the air horns and you can't be doing it all the time. Okay. That's, that's a fair compromise, I'd say. Yeah. Uh, but it took a private citizen doing that. Mm, interesting. Um, OK, how about the stopping of commerce? We've, we've seen that the blockade, at least at one point, was uh, stopping all traffic o- over this bridge. Uh, that's been talked about a lot in, in the U.S. as, um, you know, this is a real uh, motivation for a crackdown on these guys. And also that maybe the, a, a lot of these people were Americans who had nothing to do with this, this Canadian protest and are just jumping in. How much of that is true? Mm, I, I think so. We found out, you know, somebody hacked the Give, Send, Go platform that the uh, the protest was using. And we found out that more than half of the donations came from Americans to that particular platform, mm-hmm. but it wasn't more than half the money. So, you know, you take away from that is Americans are cheap and Canadians were giving <laughs> more money. I, you know, take from it what you will. Uh, so there are a lot of Americans donating to it. I think the participation of Americans in the actual protest is being overplayed a bit. Mm -hmm. That's being used by the Trudeau government for some of the actions they're taking, seeing, see, foreign interference, which they love when it's Barack Obama endorsing Justin Trudeau in the middle of our election. Then they love it, but they don't like it in this particular case. So as far as the bridge, to give you a sense, um, it's at least $500 million that flows across the Canada-US border across that bridge on a daily basis. That's 500 million US, by the way. And these are figures from the US Department of Commerce. So $500 million a day in two-way trade. There's another bridge just north north of there, north of Detroit, where it's even more. So the Ambassador Bridge connecting Windsor and Detroit is 27% of all our trade and about 500 million a day. The Blue Water Bridge north of that is 36% of all trade. That was just being slowed down but trucks were waiting two and three hours instead of you know, five minutes, which is what they would normally be getting. Five, 10 minutes on a bad day, 20. Now it's up to two, three, four hours of waiting. It was impacting commerce in the Great Lakes region tremendously. It's interesting because I think, you know, I see this with protests all the time and I, I never understand it. There was a protest in Houston years ago, which was a, um, a you know, the waste uh, management union. And they decided to go to the busiest intersection in Houston and dump trash all over the road. <laughs> and like I, it got them in the papers. People were talking about it, but everyone was angry about it. No, no one appreciated it. And it wound up turning the people sort of against the protests. Are we seeing so, s- signs of that in Canada? Yeah, there was more support. I'm not going to say there was ever, you know, majority support for this protest, but mm-hmm. there was more support or uh, who cares? It's just Ottawa. You know, Ottawa's <laughs> the capital city. It's where politicians are. It's like hating Washington, D.C. Mm-hmm. People across the country love to hate on the, the city with all the politicians. So they didn't care that much or, you know, they were already political partisans on one side or another. But then you start blocking the bridge and you start blocking out in Alberta. Uh, I believe it's between Alberta and Montana and Manitoba and North Dakota. They're blocking bridges and, and, or sorry, roadways 
that carry livestock, massive, you know, $75 million a day at one, almost $50 million a day at the other, and a lot of it livestock, and that's being blocked. And people start going, oh, wait a minute. You know, either I'm out of a job at the auto plant or my cousin who works in the meat plant or at the ranch can't work anymore. Now you're pissing me off. Mm. And, and, and that started to turn sentiment against the protest. And now they're, they're very definitely in, in a minority situation in terms of public sent, sentiment. They may agree that, you know, we got to drop all these COVID measures, but now they're annoyed because people are losing their jobs over this protest. Hmm. Okay, and so the other thing we're getting a lot here in America is, now first of all, is are they still blocking uh, this bridge? I, I had heard that that was getting cleared up, and also uh, that cleared away on Sunday. Yeah. Okay, so that is all cleared up. Um, and then the other two are that they are there's been violence associated with these protests, and uh, um, a lot of them are Nazis or white supremacists or alt writers. Is there any evidence of this? So. Uh, on the first Saturday, so we're going back almost three weeks now, somebody showed up to the protest on Parliament Hill with the classic swastika Nazi flag. Um, and I don't even, I never saw a single picture of them getting close to Parliament Hill. Mm. I won't bore the viewers with all the ge geographical details, but they were not near it. Mm. They were quite far away. And it looks like people told them, okay, get on your bike out of here. We don't want you there were people showing up with Confederate flags, which in this day and age, I'm sorry, that's that's dumb. That's, you know, not gonna help I you. don't care what your view of the Confederate flag is, that's gonna cause problems for you and kill off your message. So even if you think it's a good idea, which I don't, it's gonna kill off your message. That only happened on the first Saturday. Mm. The uh, descriptions in our media, much like in yours, of what is far right, alt right, you know, sometimes it's anything more conservative than Mao, you know. So <laughs> yeah. I, I always take it with a grain of salt. Are there some racists in there? Yeah, there's one guy who goes around making all kinds of crazy comments on Facebook. He does live streams. He's an absolute racist. He was up on stage dancing and making speeches the other day. That shouldn't be happening. As somebody said, if you've got a, a table full of people uh, one's a Nazi, but everyone else is sitting listening to them. Well, soon it's a whole table of Nazis, because how do you tell them apart? Mm. Every political movement has to practice good political hygiene. And you don't let people who are outright racists talking about, you know, the white race being replaced and we got to get rid of these people and get rid of that those people. You don't let them at your rally. You don't let them at your political event. You shove them out and distance yourself from them as much as possible. Uh, and that hasn't happened here. So are, are all the people involved in this racist or Nazis? Absolutely not. Are there dangerous elements that are latching onto this? Absolutely, yes. Um, mm. There were weapons seized at uh, the uh, Coots, Alberta border crossing. Uh, and, uh, you know, even the police said this was a new group that had recently showed up and attached themselves to the protest that had been there for almost three weeks. And they were arrested quickly by police they had a stash of handguns, long guns, body armor, machetes. When you've got that going on at a peaceful protest, it's no longer a peaceful protest. That has to be taken down. The day after those arrests, the people blockading that border crossing said, you know what? We've made our point. We're going home. We don't want any more trouble. We don't want to be associated with this sort of thing. Hmm. So it seems like some of these claims have a germ of truth here and there, but have been overblown by our media, which, of course, is nothing different than I would expect. Um, so 
tell me about um, the emergency powers that Trudeau is, is pushing through here. I mean, from an American perspective, and I know you know a lot about American history and, and our culture here, uh, Brian, we've talked about it many times over the years, and it sounds pretty scary. It seems like, you know, this is a, a pretty big move uh, to, to clamp down on this. And I, I don't know if the justification is there for it fully. I don't know that the justification is there for it. Is allowed by law? Yeah. And this is a law that's been on the books since 1988. Um, so, but it's never been used. Right. It, in some ways, it's not dissimilar to what a governor might use in a state of emergency, being able to uh, take command and control of things, but it does go further than that. Now, the New York Times falsely stated that all civil liberties in Canada have been suspended. That's not true. Tucker Carlson on Fox declared this was martial law. That's not true either. Uh, people are exaggerating claims. I had one person send me a, a you know, an, an internet news website that claimed social media has been shut down in Canada. Well, that was news to me because I broke a story on Twitter today and I know you've retweeted it. And, you know, it's been seen by close to two million people. So it, either Twitter's lying to me on how many people have seen this <laughs> or, you know, it, the, this claim is false. I'm not sure how it, I retweeted it if, you're, if your social media was down. You saw it in Texas? <laughs> well, then I guess Twitter is working here in the Canadas. Yeah. It, look, it, it gives tremendous overreach. They've gone after the funding of this group and they went after Give, Send, Go. They went after GoFundMe. Now they're saying they're, they're using the emergency powers to bring Bitcoin and any Bitcoin transactions under what's called our FinTrack system. That's our financial tracking mm -hmm. system. You guys have something similar and it's to track you know, money laundering by organized crime or to track terrorism financing. We've all watched Ozark where they have the guys go in smurfing, where they, they're only drawing out $9,990 because anything above 10,000 uh, triggers a, an investigation. Now they're extending that to Bitcoin. Bitcoin's been around and been a player for many years. They never used regular legislation to do this. Now they're using the emergency one. They're using it to go after people's bank, account, bank accounts if they're funding the protest in any way. And that includes personal bank accounts. Definitely there are problems with that. And mm. with any emergency measure, the devil's in the details. They had to do something. Did they have to go this far? Probably not. But that's Justin Trudeau's reaction to a lot of things. Show up a day late and a dollar short and then overreact and, and, and act like you're, you're saving the place. Um, before this, his main interaction with this protest was to call them racist, misogynist, uh, a fr small fringe minority with unacceptable views to try and really ramp up the situation. Mm. He was started being called out by people in his own party for playing wedge politics, for being divisive, for making things worse. And it was only then that he started saying, okay, let's try and talk responsibly, but immediately go to these emergency powers, which, you know, it looks like if they if they are judicious in using them, we're fine. If they're not, then we're in big trouble. Either way, we've given the government a tremendous amount of power. And what's amazing is we've got people who were for years calling for governments not to have this much oversight over us, police yeah. departments to be disfunded or defunded. Now they just want everybody's head smashed in and everyone arrested uh, and all their money seized. It's amazing. Um, we're, we're running a little late here. I, you gotta give me one minute though before we go on sure. the uh, police chief in Ottawa resigning. Like, what is the story here? 
he didn't do anything for almost three weeks. Now, this is a guy who was hired because he was a uh, an advocate of progressive policing. And uh, the people in Ottawa, the, the, the liberal elites that run the city decided, hey, this is great, this is exactly what we need. And then they got a taste of it and they decided, oh crap, we don't like that. Um, so <laughs> It's usually you know, how it happens, I've noticed. <laughs> it's been a revolt. Well, yeah, we want to defund the police. We don't want them in our neighborhoods. Don't do this, don't do that. Oh, wait a minute, there's people doing things we don't like. Send in the big scary men. <laughs> oh, that's not what you do? We're going to have to talk. Hmm. So, yeah, he, he resigned. It was obvious he either had to resign or be pushed out or let somebody else take over because the things were not going. And what's interesting is that the liberal establishment had a story. So I broke the story that he was re resigning. But the liberal establishment moments later obviously had a story ready to go, packed with all these uh, anonymous sources denouncing this man for being a bully and a tyrant, which is the worst thing you can call a progressive. And that was ready to go the moment it broke that he had resigned. So there was obviously a push to get rid of him by the very people who were once his champions. Mm. Brian Lilly broke this story uh, in uh, in Canada, and uh, you got to check out his uh, his his social media, which still exists apparently. Uh, he's a columnist <laughs> for the Toronto Sun. Be sure to hear uh, to follow him on at uh, Brian Lilly on Twitter. Brian, thanks so much for taking the time. I appreciate it, man. Thank you, Stu. Trying to buy or sell a home in these times obviously can be really challenging. You need a real estate agent who can come in and take charge, who can help you whenever you need something, who knows the market, who knows how to do these transactions. This is a big deal in your life. Uh, it's probably one of the biggest financial situations you're ever going to uh, handle. Every home is usually everyone's biggest financial transaction up to that point in their life. So what do you do? you got to have a good real estate agent. It's realestateagentsitrust.com. You can go on the web and you can find a, uh, the best real estate agent in your area. It's really simple with realestateagentsitrust.com. This is Glenn's company. It's been around for a long time now. they got this thing down. You know how to get the best agent no matter where you are. If you're moving somewhere new, it's a great use as well. realestateagentsitrust.com is the place to go. It's realestateagentsitrust.com. So uh, Joe Biden sucks. Seems like everybody else knows that just like you do at this point. Uh, his approval rating is it looks like a slow, gradual fall into the sea. Here's the graph. Uh, you see the blue line of his approval rating now down to 34 percent, 56 percent disapprove. I mean, it's a it's been a long, gradual decline. I mean, really. I, the only thing that seemed to really be drastic about it was right around the Afghanistan time period where he really dropped off uh, maybe a little bit faster than the rest of the time. But really, it's just been a, a constant increasing dis disillusion, I would say, <laughs> is how I would look at that. But that graph doesn't really paint the full picture. Let me give you all of the states at once. And here's what it looks like. And I'm not going to read you every one of these. There's 50 states up there. But what I will give you is just the blue, the states where you see some blue. Um, and that is Hawaii, where he's at 49% approval, Maryland, 45%, Massachusetts, 48%, and Vermont at 50%. Those are the only four uh, states where he's anywhere close to that. He's underwater everywhere else. He is underwater in 46 of the 50 states. That means he's underwater in places, you know, like uh, California. He's a minus eight in California, people. In Connecticut, he's a minus six. Even in Delaware, 
He's minus 17 in Delaware. That's his state. He he's minus 17 in Delaware. I it's one company, but I mean, it's pretty consistent, as you see, over a long period of time. Joe Biden is as disastrous as you thought he was. Back in a second. Some would say a weekend at the Super Bowl packs on a couple of pounds. Maybe you don't eat quite as healthy as you would normally. Maybe there's a couple of adult beverages that find your way into a cup nearby. And then what are you going to do? Say no? I mean, gosh, Uh, you know, peer pressure, right? Um, So maybe when you're coming back from a weekend like that, you should jump on the Bilt Bar bandwagon right away. Uh, You know, they've got great flavors, uh, mint brownie, double chocolate, salted caramel, cookies and cream. Uh, And if you don't know what flavor you like, get the mixed box. Give them all to you. They are low in calories. They are high in protein. They'll fill you up. They taste delicious. They're not normal protein bars. These are Built Bars. Go to Built.com. Use the promo code STU15 to save 15% off your first order. Don't forget to use that promo code STU15 because that's how they know. You like this stupid show? Plus, you'll get 15% off now at Built.com. Novak Djokovic is in a new interview saying he uh, is not going to get the vaccine, even though he's going to miss some uh, major tournaments. Uh, Strong stance by him. He says, uh, I've always carefully reviewed, assessed everything that comes from supplements, food and water. Uh, even the uh, sports drinks, anything that goes into my body is a fuel. Based on the information I got, I decided to n- uh, not to take the vaccine as of today. He says he doesn't want people to monitor what goes in his body. Uh, seems, I don't know, roughly sensible. It's interesting that he is taking this stance. He says he's not against the vaccine, which is, it's interesting in like if he's, uh, and that may just be him not wanting to get the heat of, of being labeled an anti-vaxxer. But like, if, if, he, if he is one, I mean, if you're going to take this big of a stance, I'm surprised he's just not owning that. Um, but I got to say, it's a big sacrifice. And I mean, look, it's a sensible rule. You should be able to, I don't know, monitor the things you go that go into your body. Now, I, as a person, have never put anything healthy into my body. So I don't, you know, I don't know. I don't really think about that all that much. Uh, Neil Young, by the way, also got to mention this is back on Spotify. After all of this, they looked on Spotify and they said, hey, all the Neil Young songs are back. He said it's either me or it's Joe Rogan. And then Neil Young was just like back on the website. We'll find out and figure out if, if, if they're still going to be hosting them going into the future. But I mean, does anything mean anything? Back in a second. There I am, just a man trying to enjoy the Super Bowl. And I turn around and I have to see this idiot behind me. Uh, LeBron James uh, just dancing like a moron. And I just thought to myself, why didn't I have my don't be an idiot, don't be a LeBron t-shirt on? That would have been, <laughs> that would have been a hell of a confrontation. And um, I probably would be in the hospital today, but that's okay. It would have been worth it to see just the aftermath of all that. Anyway, um, you can review the uh, podcast wherever you get your podcast. Five stars is the appropriate number of stars. It's great. Whatever from Eric. He says episode 434's opening monologue is probably your best ever. Not a high bar, but whatever. Well, thank you for that. That's uh, Stu does the Rogan escalation. Uh, so that's uh, 
Good one. If you missed that one, check it out. Love this stupid show. Stu is the Johnny Carson of Nighttime News Commentary Podcast, the perfect nightcap of sanity and humor to wind down the end of every day. Just wish it was a solid hour. I guess we have some commercials in the normal feeds. It's a little bit shorter than that. But still, I mean, you know, we we do appreciate you watching it or listening. Uh, Caleb writes, I proposed to my wife on your birthday seven years ago, and the first Christmas movie she wanted to watch this year was The Christmas Twist. We need a sequel or something. Whatever. Ah, That's a very good idea. And Derek writes, this is probably the greatest podcast by an overweight white conservative vegetarian wearing a black suit and featuring lots of charts. I think we're number three on that list, but still, that's pretty good. 